Emily! Who are you? <laughs> I was... What? You don't remember me? No, it's been a while since I've been here. And that's that's fair. Um, I've been here every day waiting for you to come back. Oh my gosh, Kyle! Yeah, it's me! You don't recognize me? Well, you've got all this... You're literally coated in hair. Yeah, that's because I... It's a really funny story. Well, we don't have time. Aww. Cue the theme music. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> what an intro. Hey, since we're introing, I'm Emily, everybody. <laughs> I'm Kyle Nobody. Oh, you're not <laughs> nobody. You are the co-host of Butter No Parsnips. Oh, tell us about that. That's what we're doing now. That's what we're doing now. You've got a word this week, right? Oh, no, don't do this to me, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a word this week. Yeah, Yes, it is your turn I'm so excited. I've never been more excited in my life. And I was around for the Hess truck craze. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. This is, I, I really got to deliver right now. Yeah, you do. It's like Christmas morning or 1 a.m. Christmas when I can't fall asleep. Well, that's considered morning. No. Are we going to have a debate about what morning is? Morning is when you wake up, no matter okay. what time right. it is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, you want to hear this word, Kyle, or what? Yeah, let's hear the word. What's it, what, yeah, tell me about it. All right, Kyle, your word this week is quincunx. Q-U-I-N-C-U-N-X. What is this? It's a word. Emily, Roman numerals do not count as words in the English language. Quincunx. Quincunx. Oh, where am I even supposed to start? Okay, so it's definitely five or something. It, it it relates to the number five. You're right. Relates to the number five. So it's like a number five second cousin, great uncle, could have <laughs> married in maybe. Yeah. There are, I mean, I'll tell you right now, there are actually a few different meanings for this word, but they all sort of hover around the number five. I cannot believe for one second that this word has more than one meaning. <laughs> This is this is a historic <laughs> word. You just wait. There's a lot. I, this is okay. Is it a noun? It is a noun. The adjective form is quincunxial. You can't even say it. That's how hard of a word it is. It is. Well, it is because the first uh, thousand times I looked at it, I was pronouncing it in my head as quincunx. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, I could see that. Because quincunxial sounds better to me, but I think it's quincunxial. Okay. Uh, so it's a noun. Cunx. It is. Cunx. Cunx. <laughs> is, it, uh, <laughs> is it animal related? Uh, no. Is it mineral related? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, you know I'm going to ask if it's a vegetable. <laughs> oh, that would be good for, for butter, no parsnips, but it, it would is be. not vegetable related. Quincunx. Okay. Is, can yeah. it be in any other? Oh, I assume it's Latin. It absolutely is Latin. Ooh, I mean, I am at a, 
at a loss here. I don't think I'm going to get much further with Trump. I mean, here. you got you got as close as you could get by guessing that it relates to the number uh, five. <laughs> I would guess it's a malady like when you get your fifth concussion, you get like a quincunx card. <laughs> like it's like a like you get a free like visit to a cat scan or something. I don't know. <laughs> quincunx. Yeah. No, it's not that. So, like I said, it has a few meanings, but the main definition that gets used the most is a geometric pattern consisting of five points arranged in a cross with four of them forming a rectangle and the fifth at its center. So basically like the five side on a die. That's an X. Yeah, it can be be a cross or an X, basically. Okay. I'm sorry, there's a word for that? Four points around the side and one in the middle. That's insane. The word for it is quincunx. Wait, so the, I'm sorry. So you're telling me that quincunx is describing just five points in space? Well, and, you know, I mean, in the, in, uh, like, as a pattern that gets used in things. Oh, is this used, like, for pattern making? Or is it like a mathematical thing? Well, let's talk about all the ways that it's used. So let's talk about originally where the word comes from, because the original meaning, it is actually the name of a coin, a bronze coin used very briefly in Rome during the 200s BC. Good, good, good. I was around then. I vacationed to yeah, 200s yeah. bc Rome. so you had to you had to transfer your your coins to quincunx to the quincunx it was really hard you know with the like whole eu thing yeah. going on back then yeah so in the roman monetary system their like their sort of main coin was called an as just as that was like their dollar and there were different coins for like two ases a half an as a quarter. I got half an as. <laughs> you do. It is the the plural of as is written out. It's pronounced ases, but it is spelt asses. Like a s s e s. Yes, but it's oh as. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Right. They're playing a prank on us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a ploy to get scholars to say ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like thousands of years from now, these guys they're not even going to know what hit them. <laughs> yeah, so there was a there was the coin called the as, and then there was an uncia, an uncia, which is one twelfth of an as, and then why I don't know, and that was just used like during the Roman Republic, which is what came before the Roman Empire, and then for some unknown reason, solely during the Second Punic War, only then they decided they needed a coin. That was five twelfths of an as. Oh, so, so you, literally, I'm sorry. The word, the word quincunx is quinque, which meant five, and uncia, which meant one twelfth, just smushed together. <laughs> five twelfths of an as. So, so you're telling me that the only currency that they had at that time when they in- introduced this coin was. Just a hole and then a twelfth of a hole. No, I mean, there was there was a half, a third, a quarter, a sixth, and a twelfth. That's so and much math. Five, <laughs> there was two thirds and there was five twelfths. Oh my God. Oh my God. No wonder been, why that empire fell. <laughs> yeah, that's just truly. What an economic nightmare. 
I know, you'd have so many coins, your pockets would weigh 20 pounds. <laughs> oh my god, you'd have, there's, like, I I mean, I'm, I'm just surprised that they worked in base 12. That's really interesting to begin with. Yeah, yeah, well, and there, I think that is why our time system is a base 12 system. I think we, it's, oh. it, it originates with the Romans, I think. You're saying that's why we got 12 hours and 12 months and 12 eggs? That's well, time maybe. related, right? <laughs> yeah, anything, anything with twelve. And a baker's dozen is called that because they get an extra year to live. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but not like biological. It's just like they don't get ceremonially killed as early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> you lucky deck. We'll see you next year. <laughs> You get one get out of jail free card if you're a baker. <laughs> Does everybody's lining up at the to become a baker? Yeah. <laughs> Just Becomes for the perks, the, most. the health insurance. <laughs> so the quincunx, a Roman coin, and the the design of the coin was not consistent because, like, what could be consistent in the 200s BC? But it always had five dots somewhere on it to indicate the value. And sure. sometimes the five dots were arranged in a quincunx. Just sometimes. <laughs> Only sometimes. Sometimes they were in a row. Wow. That's, I mean, that's really interesting. That's a, actually, that seems like a really smart way to symbolize how, the worth of the coin, like, easily. You know, just be like, all right, there's five yeah. dots. Which you would automatically assume stands for five twelfths. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, all right, I got five twelfths here. I just need, um, I don't know, six more of these and I'll have an even number. Oh boy, Kyle, how long has it been since you've done math? Ten twelfths, ten twelfths, twenty twelfths. Oh, you can't do that. You'll never have an even number. (laughs) Oh, you mean, you mean you'd have to have so many quincunxes. Yes, yeah, number. yeah, to get I like it, like to get a whole number of asses. Of asses. <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> do I get a whole ass out of this pile of quincunks? I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you telling me that our modern day, like, die gets the quincunks from the coin? Did they not have die that looked like that back then? Well, Dice? we're gonna, we're gonna talk about, di- yeah, I mean, we should... We should have that discussion as well. It's like, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I hate people that say the plural of dice is die because you're wrong. I did that accidentally and now I feel really attacked. I'm so sorry. I'm just, (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Oh God, this is the end. She kicked me off the podcast here. I am firmly on one side of this debate. Okay. I've never had to take a horse in this race and I've never, (laughs) I'd never had to take a, uh, I mean, you came out really strong when you said die just now. I, I, I meant as in a singular die. Have they never had a die? Oh, um, all right. Fair enough. But, I mean, you knew what I meant, and that's English, baby. <laughs> but you're still wrong. <laughs> I'll take it. That's fine. But we're going to talk about dice later, so I don't know why I got so fired up just now. That's all right. We can just retroactively... Yeah, can we just conversation? Yeah, just put that conversation later on. Yeah. Anyway, the word quincunx, originally referred to the coin in Rome, came to English around the 1500s, originally meaning five twelfths of a pound. Although 
looking at what? some old dictionaries, it looks like it could have just meant 5%. It's tough to tell. Why would they need either of those <laughs> numbers? <laughs> 5% is just a 20th. I guess, well then, maybe that's where we're well, getting so, into cents, like 5 cents. I guess in England, 5 pence. Yeah. Maybe that's where we get pence and nickels from. So so I've got this... Pence uh, and nickels, by the way, I assume <laughs> is a buddy cop duo starring Mike Pence and... Uh, uh, the character Josh from Drake and Josh. God, what a... <laughs> <laughs> Pres- Vice President Pence, I just got a game sphere! <laughs> Can I meet Oprah? These are A1 Drake and Josh jokes coming at you. Yeah, well, now you got to be Mike Pence. Do it. Let's hear it. What's your Mike Pence impersonation, Uh, Emily? um, uh, Cool. My producer just said I don't have to. (laughs) Tactfully sidestepping this Mike Pence conversation, I've got a quote from an old dictionary here. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, what's what's that? From the Dictionary of Sir Thomas Eliot Knight. I guess Thomas Eliot, comma... Knight from 1538. Oh, gotcha. His and name it, wasn't Thomas Elliot Knight. I see. No, it's, it's his title, I think. And the dictionary definition for Quincunx, the first one he lists is five ounces. And at the time, an ounce was a coin that was worth one twelfth of a pound. So they also had a base 12 system at one point. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah. I really can't then, get over that. Yeah, it's a really, it's just, it's just a nonsensical way to go through life. <laughs> I mean, it's just a bad look, you know, like, like looking back, like now in the future, like, I feel like that's got to be an embarrassing fact that countries don't want to be known about them. You know, it's of like course, seeing old pictures of them with bad haircuts. It's, this is all coming from Americans who still use the imperial system of measurement. So... Yeah, what's wrong with that? I got... We're kind of on the wrong side of that history. (laughs) And then the next definition in here, Sir Thomas Eliot Knight says, also the gain of five in 100 by exchange amongst merchants, which is a little vaguely written, but it sounds like it means basically like taking 5% off the top in a deal. Was called a... Was called quincunx? Was called a quincunx. That's really interesting. That's fun. Uh, Yeah. It's weird that it could mean five twelfths or five percent. So the quincunx, the percent definition comes from English, not from Latin. Yeah, from from English. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. According to this man's dictionary. Yeah. And then there's a third definition here, which says it was also an order of setting of trees in a garden or orchard very exactly so that which way soever that a man did look, the trees stood directly against one another. What? Oh. And this is where the what? geometric pattern comes in. Because I'm going insane. The, the original context for using the word quincunx to mean like a pattern was specifically in planting trees in like staggered rows so like if you were planting an orchard you'd plant like a row of five and then a row of four you know kind of diagonally in and then another row of five and alternating i am not i am literally not visualizing what you're telling me right now (laughs) (laughs) like how the stars on the flag are not in like 
flat rows. They're in like staggered rows. Oh, I see. I see. That's called yeah. quincunx. Yeah, that is quincunxial tree planting. And it was very common at the time and still today because it maximizes the amount of sunlight that each tree is getting. Sure, sure. So I have another quote from another 1500 dictionary here. And you're going to like this one in particular because this quote is from the Abecedarium Anglico-Latinum. <gasps> Kyle, I was so excited when I read that. <laughs> Written by Richard Huloet? Huloet? H-U-L-O-E-T. I don't have the first clue how to pronounce that. Huloet. Yeah. But it's from an ABC Darium. That's what's most important. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's awesome. Yes. And the ABC Darium defines a quincunx as an exact order of setting of trees or plants of pleasure in a garden or orchard, which be so checkered that a man may walk which way he list. <laughs> that's so, that's so twee. It is. <laughs> yeah. So that was like for for hundreds of years like that was the context that people use the word quincunx in was just tree planting wow so i guess that's like that became like a gardening term i guess is what you're saying yeah yeah like a like a horticultural term that's really interesting because it's like yeah there's so many steps to get to that but it like makes sense yeah but then like that was the original step <laughs> which is crazy yeah that's insane yeah. And before we move on from the tree planting thing, I want to talk about what seems to be the most influential usage of the word quincunx, which is a book all about tree planting. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about it. So it comes from the 17th century writer, Sir Thomas Brown, Brown with an E on the end. And I, d I don't want to talk about him for too long because it's not like super relevant to the word, but he was apparently an immensely influential writer in the 1600s. Oh, okay. There are lots of- A guy of named like Thomas, who would have guessed? <laughs> but to give you the broad strokes, he was very well studied. He was a polymath. His writing often covered a lot of different fields and employed a lot of different writing styles. And all that basically boils down to his writing was typically very esoteric and complex and confusing and hard to read, Gosh. but contained some of the most beautiful turns of phrase. Oh, that's interesting. Because he studied so many different writing styles, too. Oh, that's really fun. So his writing was like very like humorous and witty and eloquent, but... So dense. <laughs> but he was writing mostly nonfiction works? Yeah. And he was writing a lot about, like, he was kind of combining different fields, like like scientific fields and religious fields and, and medicine and mysticism and all sorts of different things. Wow. And kind of looking at where they intersect. The book in question here is called The Garden of Cyrus or The Quincuncial Lozenge. Or Whoa. network plantations of the ancients, naturally, artificially, and mystically considered. That Whoa. is all. That is all on the title page. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah, goes all the way down the page, as many old books do. I'm sorry, quincuncial lozenge. Lozenge. Yes. <laughs> apparently, what? apparently, what the word lozenge means is just a rhombus. No. Yes, I what? looked it up. It just means a diamond shape. That's insane. Which is what shape the trees make when they're in those staggered rows. When, when they're quincunxial. They're quincunxial. Oh my gosh, that's insane. And the book is even more insane because it's it's like 
just a very rambly, nonsensical book that talks about a bunch <laughs> of different things. But like the main thing it talks about is the quincunx as it relates to tree planting. The Garden of Cyrus in the title is referring to Cyrus the Elder, who was a Persian king. He was the founder of the first Persian Empire. But apparently in his spare time, he was just really into like horticulture and gardening. Gardening. He was just a green thumb. <laughs> yeah. And the book talks about how he contributed to the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. But also I did some research and there doesn't appear to be any outside <laughs> evidence to back that up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, this thing that doesn't exist anymore uh, was definitely me. <laughs> and I and I imagine it was quincunxia. He, he hung all the hanging plants in a quincunx, I promise. In a quincunx. But he also, in this book, spends a lot of time, a lot of time, talking about, <laughs> like, how quincunxes appear just all throughout nature. Like, in the way that stars line up and in seeds and flowers and and the shapes of animals he was like you know if you look at like the human body and you just ignore the head and look at the arms and legs and the torso that's insane. like a quincunx right that's just insane that is that is <laughs> it's absolutely insane <laughs> i mean it sounds to me like he's in a quincunx cult and he's just yes. like no 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 i swear it's everywhere D don't no, they no, talk no. to you at night <laughs> I open my eyes and all I see are quincunxes. He's, his, he's gotten his, like, pupils surgically changed to be squares. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, but it did sound insane, and that seems to be what everybody... That was, like, the main takeaway from this book, was that Sir Thomas Brown was insane oh. about quincunxes. Oh, he's a loony. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a couple of reviews here from like academic letters and papers that people have written about this book. I have one from famed English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Oh, wow. From 1804. He was, I think, writing a letter to somebody where he talked about this book. And he compared it to like past writings of Thomas Brown's. And he said, quote, There is the same attention to oddities, to the remoteness and minutia of vegetable terms, the same entireness of subject. You have quincunxes in heaven above, quincunxes in earth below, and quincunxes <laughs> in the water beneath the earth. Quincunxes in deity, quincunxes in the mind of man, quincunxes in bones, in the optic nerves, in the roots of trees, in leaves, in petals, in everything. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> and then I have another quote from another English poet named Edmund Gose from 1905, 100 years later. And he's writing like an academic essay about the book. And he says, mm -hmm. quote, Gathering his forces, it is quincunx, quincunx, all the way until oh the very god. sky itself is darkened with revolving chessboards. <laughs> And then he goes on to say, and yet this radically bad book contains some of the most <laughs> lovely paragraphs which passed from an English pen during the 17th century. So funny. So he's like, it's awful, but some of the writing is good. It's beautiful. I just can't stand it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually both of those reviews uh, quote the same little blurb in uh, the closing of the book. The Quincunxial lozenge. So I will read a bit of that blurb here because it actually is very well written. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'd love. I'm, I mean, now I'm really interested in, to you know, to hear his writing style. Yeah. 
So so after he has gone through his Quincunx rant, he sort of brings the book to a to a close in the last couple of paragraphs. And he says, quote, but the Quincunx of heaven runs low and tis time to close the five ports of knowledge. We are unwilling to spin out our awaking thoughts into the phantasms of sleep, which often continueth precogitations, making cables of cobwebs and wildernesses of handsome groves. That is beautiful. <laughs> I love cables of cobwebs and wildernesses of handsome groves. That's like that absolutely such lovely. wonderful imagery for something that's so abstract. I know. Wow. So that's like, apparently that is Thomas Brown in a nutshell. Like, nutcase rantings, but beautiful prose. <laughs> I mean, I love that. That's, I mean, that's my kind of artist, you know? But... As time went on, the definition of the word started to extend out from tree planting and just sort of widened out to anything with that pattern of like either staggered rows or, you know, four dots in a square with one dot in the middle. And the pattern is used in a bunch of different things. So it can mean it can mean both patterns. It can mean like a checkerboard or just the five dots. Yeah, or just the five which dots. Which is just, yeah. a, which is, I guess, just a part of that pattern. Yes, it is. You know, if you think it's it's just like a staggered row of two, one, and two, basically. Yeah. So just to run through a couple of the big usages, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of places that it shows up. In flags, uh, there are a lot of flags that use like stars or dots in that five point shape. The flag of the Solomon Islands has five stars in a quincunx, and the coat of arms of Portugal has inceptiquincunx. It's got five shields oh. arranged in a cross, and then inside each shield are five dots in a in an X in a quincunx. Wow! Wow! Yeah, they must have read Thomas Brown. <laughs> they must have read. <laughs> <laughs> the quincunxial lozenge and thought this is the way for us real friend of the portuguese that guy yeah do you think it, it, he was like a national hero there for unrelated reasons yeah said like, yeah uh, we'll throw a quincunx in our flag uh, throw him a bone he needs this he needs a win today <laughs> he needs <laughs> so somebody said he had a radically bad book we gotta give him something <laughs> The pattern also shows up in architecture. Uh, there are a lot of old, uh, like, churches and temples in certain cultures that had five towers or five domes. And also it shows up in certain styles of mosaics and stonework. Oh, sure. Like a kitchen tiling, like a backsplash. Yeah, there was an Italian style of mosaics that used that pattern a lot. And then I also was running, I ran across something called a quincuncial map, which is a way of like projecting, like visualizing the earth onto a flat space. And there are dozens of these, like the Mercator projection is one and the Robinson projection are like the common ones. I have no idea to explain more about that. So like when people try to make the sphere of the earth able to be visualized two-dimensionally, like if you took the entire earth and laid it out flat, like, you know, on Google Maps or in a in a school textbook, where does the quincunxial come into play? So there are lots of different styles for how to make like a flat map of the Earth. The, the only type of Earth that there is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Go um, on. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, this is how we project the spherical Earth. <laughs> Onto a flat space. Uh, the Mercator projection is a common one. That's like basically a big rectangle. The one that you see a lot that's got like kind of oblong, like rounded edges. That's called the Robinson projection. That one is also used a lot. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. You know what you're talking about, Sam? I didn't yeah. explain it super well. 
if you want to, there's loads of these projections that you can look up. If you really want to lose your mind, look up one called Retro Azimuthal. We'll post it to the Instagram because no one's going to know how to spell what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) But there was another one created by a guy called Charles Sanders Pierce. He created a projection that basically his approach was he put the North Pole at the center of the map and then the South Pole was at all the corners, kind of split into four and peeled out like an orange peel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then he like squared it off and kind of warped everything to make it fit into a square. So the whole map is a square? The whole map is a square <gasps> and it's like it's I like love that warped. So much. But it's only warped at the equator. It's it's meant to be designed so that all the rest of the map is accurate, but it's just warped around the equator to make it fit What's into a square. What's this map called? It's called the Pierce Quincuncial Projection. And so like the main quincunx is the North Pole at the center and then the South Pole all around. But then there's other, there's like a tessellated version where it's like everything is doubled or quadrupled so that at some, like it's like tiled so that you get the whole earth from different perspectives all around it. It's very cool. That very is confusing wild. to look at. But that is really yeah. interesting. And yeah. Like a good reason to use the word quincunxial. Yes, it is. And also, I feel like not a bad approach to visualizing the Earth. Yeah, definitely not. It's confusing to look at, but I feel like it sort of works. Yeah, I mean, it's like neat as a pin, you know, to have it like in a square and to have like everything leading south. I don't know. Yeah, there's something great about that. Yeah, I think it's good. Good job, Charles Sanders Pierce. We love you. Woo, Pierce. Woo, Charles Sanders Pierce fan club. We're going to put you (laughs) on our flag. (laughs) We know exactly what you look like, and we're going to have your face in a quincunxial pattern. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Starting from your nose out. (laughs) Oh, no. Now we have to post that to the Instagram, too. (laughs) Yep, no choice. But of course, Kyle, as you said from the beginning, this pattern is most notably used on dice. And now, Kyle, I want to ask you, if you had to guess when or where dice were first invented, what do you think you would say? Without a doubt, right off the bat, I'd say when, 1700s, where, Caribbean islands, who, (laughs) Jack Sparrow and Barbosa, Captain Barbosa. Wow. All right. They did it. It was them. I mean, I think all of what you said was wrong, even in context to itself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. No, I mean, I would imagine that they were, I I assume that they were very old. Maybe not necessarily the quincunxial pattern, but I I would be like, oh, dice have been around since, I don't know, cave people were eating sticks or whatever they did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're right. It was sort of a, a trick question. We don't actually know when or where exactly dice were first invented because they predate recorded history. Wow. We do know that archaeologists have found six-sided dice, like with the dots on them and everything, with the quincunx on the five side, from multiple dig sites around Eurasia, the old world, dated as far back as the 2000s or possibly even 3000s BC. Wow. Yeah. Dice are old. (laughs) It makes sense because it's just like such an easy thing. And like, I feel like such a convenient thing that people could use it for, you know, for things. Yeah. Yeah. And there are like other simpler forms of dice that are even older than that. 
there's like like originally there was a game called Knuckle Bones, which is kind of similar yes. to like Jacks, and those Knuckle Bones are sort of considered like the earliest form of dice, even though they didn't have numbers on them. Didn't they eventually have like inscriptions of like runes in them or something? And I, I looked yeah, into that one time. I think I think as they were headed towards dice, yeah, just pictures of their loved ones drawn yeah. on them. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm just gonna say this was an information heavy episode and a and a bit light episode, and I do apologize. I, no, no, I mean, listen, I had we a had lot to say. I was excited. Have, I I mean, listen, quincunx, crazy, crazy word. Can I tell you, like, so the first thing I imagine when I started thinking of the pattern, like a checkerboard yeah. pattern, is I once made a quincunxial pigs in a blanket. Yeah? Yeah, it was like full hot dogs on a tray woven with dough through it. Oh. And so that was the first thing that came to my mind when you were describing that. That's so complicated. It was not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) It was very complicated and immediately fell apart when you tried to eat it. Just like that book. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Very complicated and immediately fell apart. <laughs> but beautiful, as I assume your pigs in a blanket quincunx was. Yes, it was. Um, it opened my eyes, truly, wow. to things I had never imagined. <laughs> I oh imagined a cobweb of, uh, I, I don't know, ketchup and mustard hanging <laughs> above my head yeah. in the stars. <laughs> and you made cables of that cobweb. Yeah, made cables of that. Oh. All right, Kyle. Let's do a game now. So, Kyle, I hope you enjoyed trying to guess the origins of dice, because you're about to do that for a bunch of other things. Oh, gosh. Okay. This week's game is called, Where'd We Get That? (laughs) And basically, I'm going to give you a game or game piece, and uh, you can guess where in the world it came from. Yeah. No, this is fun. I like that. And these ones have more firm answers than Dice did. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, thank you. That's <laughs> they're not all gonna be trick trick answers. Actually, yeah. we don't we're we're pretty sure this came from a celestial body. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle. Where do you think playing cards came from? So I'm talking about like the time period or like the like the, whatever whatever you want to guess, Kyle. Whatever you want to take a stab at. Playing cards. I mean, I heavily associate playing cards with Alice in Wonderland, so I'm gonna say they're Chinese. You got it. Wow, wow. I, I when you said Alice in Wonderland, I was like, wow. I feel like he's pretty far afield. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it a little longer and was like, no, they gotta be older than that. you got it they do come from china most likely the 13th century it's a little bit debated exactly what we're considering playing cards and what we're considering just pieces of paper with numbers on them yeah (laughs) Um, but we think it's the 13th century there's a legal document that was uncovered describing two gamblers who were arrested in the late 1200s and they were arrested playing a game with paper cards printed using uh, like woodblock printing hey that's fun isn't that fun oh i wonder what those looked like there was sort of debate whether like what was considered cards and what was considered tiles and that goes into like mahjong tiles too there was like a chinese word that could mean either cards or tiles also kind of similar where do you think dominoes came from 
I mean, it's got. Is it China again? Is it from yeah, Mahjong it Tiles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> China again. Yeah. Also, around the same time, likely the 13th century, there was a document that was sort of like a current events document for, I think, the city of Hangzhou that was talking about uh, like peddlers coming through town selling dice and dominoes. And that those, that's like the earliest written record of dominoes. That's great. Now, we talked about the origins of six sided dice. Where do you think the earliest 20 sided dice came from? I'm going to have to assume... Because I'm a D&D nerd, we got to talk yeah, about yeah, one yeah. dice. I, I was going to say, I'm going to have to assume it was... What's his face? Gorlax? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> I think close. he just made, made, made it up on the spot. Gary Gygax? You think he Gygax. just invented yeah, yeah, 20-sided yeah, yeah, dice when he invented Dungeons yeah. & Dragons? He's just like, man, <laughs> I got a lot of numbers here, and we don't got smartphones yet so i guess i'm just gonna have to put them on these cubes that just are now not cubes carve this rock into a 20-sided yeah. Yeah. sphere um no actually the oldest known 20-sided die was uncovered in egypt and dated back to the second century bc wow so pretty pretty old and it's interesting because it's it was discovered in egypt but it is inscribed with greek letters rather than egyptian hieroglyphs because at the time, Egypt was under Greek Ptolemaic rule. I wonder what they so would have used that for. I think uh, games, games of chance. Yeah, you don't think they were just like, huh, I want a random number today. <laughs> like, like, like how you can just Google random number generator and get that up? Well, yes, but the context that it's used for is often games. Kyle, where do you think billiards comes from? Well, if I had to guess... Um, Oh, it's got to be French. Yeah, you got it. Billiards. Yeah, I got it. Billiards. It reeks of French. Yeah, so billiards, like the table games, were pretty sure evolved from like outdoor ball and stick games, like croquet and things croquet. like that. Croquet, yeah. But the first indoor billiards table was in France in the 1400s, owned by one of the King Louis. We don't know which one. <laughs> we do. I just didn't or, write or, it down. or are you not going to tell me? Is it a secret? <laughs> um, update. It was King Louis the Eleventh. There's King too Louis. many Louis. <laughs> Is that the one that was the orangutan in Jungle Book? No, I'm wrong. It was King Louis the Fourteenth. Jeez, oh. Louise. Oh, is he the Sun King? Is that the one? I don't even know. Francis got too many Louis. Yeah, I think it is the Sun King. Oh, you're right. It is the Sun King. <laughs> wow. That was so smart. I remembered one thing from middle school. Middle school? I don't know. All right, Kyle. Last one here. What do you think or where do you think the earliest board game came from? Just board game in general? Yeah. Because there were two really major board, ones uh, from the same part of the world. Oh, it's got to be ancient Rome or Greece. No, older. Older than that? There's humanity before then? Yeah, the dawn of humanity Uh, or civilization. Sumerian? It's Mesopotamia. Wow. Mesopotamian! Yeah. Yeah, so the generally accepted earliest board game is a game called the Royal Game of Ur. You are... Uh, invented in Mesopotamia in the early 3000s BC and was popular all over the Middle East. Is that like he was like at the patent office and they're like, all right, what are you going to call it? Oh, uh, it's the Royal Game of Ur. And they were like, okay. it down. That's that's it. it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Where's your your fishy schmeckles? (laughs) Yeah. 
It's your 50 asses. Asses. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. We should play that. We should get a copy. Yeah. So there was the Royal Game of Ur in the early 3000s BC. And then there was another game called Senet in Egypt, uh, which was invented in the 2000s BC. And I, the main thing is it's it involved throwing two like throwing sticks that were sort of another like early form of dice, but they were just flat. They just had two sides. They both had like a board and they had like the board would slide out to a box where you keep all the pieces. And the two games were so popular that archaeologists have found like reversible boxes that had the two boards on each side. That is so fun. Isn't that so fun? Wow. What what an aesthetic ancient history had. (laughs) It's a little two in one game. That's all compact with all the pieces inside. I was like, that's like like if I saw that in a store today, I'd be like, oh, what a fun new idea. But yeah. it's the oldest idea. <laughs> that is so fun. I love that. Yeah. That's all we have time for. <laughs> hey, listen, you guys, we are we are all over the internet, and you should come find us. Yes, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. You can also find us on Patreon, where we've got uh, some exclusive content, our Whoa. After Hours podcast buttered parsnips that's right if you want your parsnips buttered you gotta shell out it's a gamble but <laughs> it's true it might pay it's off. true based on how rambling this episode was <laughs> you can only imagine how rambly the the late night version is <laughs> don't even worry about it, emily Seth's gonna cut out every other word to make the episode queen kung seal nice love it yeah But in any case, if you want to give us your support, which we greatly appreciate, you can do so at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. And we are so happy to have you coming out to hear us. And we hope to hear you again next week for another quincunxial word. You are hammering at home, and I appreciate that. (laughs) I have been Emily. I've been Kyle. And thanks for listening, everybody. Sayonara. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.